And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous starship captain once said, and as another famous starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, We'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always. That's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now, let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. Episode 47, uh, lucky episode 47, unlucky episode 47, I don't know. <laughs> and one of us was dealing with a, uh, a tantrum that uh, that delayed production on now, this Ali, morning. Ali, I have told you, you really... Really, Dr. McCoy, you're going to be the, uh, yeah, you need to control your emotions. Yeah. <laughs> Can, how, I need to, I need a lesson from Spock on, um, how to control, uh, your child's, uh, tantra, uh, tantrum. Mr. And, Spock or Dr. Spock? Because, you know, neither you know, one of us anymore. I'll take either. I'll take either this morning. <laughs> there's a, there's a blowback to the late 60s primetime original. Yeah. Dilemma. You know, growing up, I thought, um, I thought, Dr. Spock was the same person as Mr. Spock. Um, and I was in for a bit of a, a, a rude awakening when I realized there's a bit of difference. You know what I did, Larry? Um, we got, we got my daughter some stickers yesterday and she used up all the stickers and she was really happy about that. But then, you know, the piece of paper that the stickers come mm-hmm. on, right. I threw that away. And the first thing she wanted this morning was that piece of paper. She didn't want the sticker. She wanted a piece of paper. But I already, not only did I throw it away, but I threw away that garbage. And so I spent, an, I spent an hour trying to be like, Oh, I wonder what happened to it. And then I spent some time trying to find a different substitute. And then I said, Okay, you know what, sweetie? I threw it away. It's in the garbage. It's in the dumpster. I just ripped off the bandaid and then I had to deal with the consequences of that. So that yeah. was my morning. Yeah. Um, well, I'm but glad anyways, you were. I'm glad you were paying attention the whole time <laughs> you know, to right. your daughter, because that's that's is our uh, that's our theme for today. Thank you, Doctor Trek, for bringing us back yes. on track. Um, uh, well, we're talking every week. We we take a a topic in mental health, um, toss in a little uh, Star Trek, put it in the replicator, and out comes Life Support Live. And so this week every, we are talking. To- and so every week is not week forty seven. So every week does not start off like this. <laughs> no, no. Usually about every other episode does. <laughs> um, we're talking about episodes. Stories that involve attention, distraction, hyperfocus, and as we always do here, um, there's a real world relevance. Uh, there's, there's a lot of research coming out now, Larry, about 2020 and how much people have been dealing with, uh, there's been struggling with attention. They've been right, dealing right. with a lot of distraction. It's been, it's been quite difficult to focus our minds. 
So speaking of distraction, I just want to yeah. say, since you've been so distracted this morning, that hi, everybody. If you are new to the show this week, uh, we're not always episode 47. We just try not to act like it. <laughs> Let's do a little a little housekeeping up top. Folks, we know we're coming up on a few big events. We know we have our big 50th episode coming up. We also are coming big, up on big, big. Yeah. It's it's it's. Gonna be big, Larry. Gonna be bigger um, we, than 49. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And 48. It's gonna be bigger <laughs> than both of those. Uh, we also are coming up on our one year anniversary, uh, April 18th to mm-hmm. 2020s, I think when we launched, uh, Life Support Live. And, uh, we're coming up on the one year. Um, I only know that because I edited that audio so much. And I remember you saying, Larry, well, April 18th, Saturday, we're launching Life Support Live. So I'm pretty sure that was the date. Um, also we, um, we're doing a, a bit of a soft launch of our Discord community. Uh, Larry and I are there. Our moderators, Scott and Jared are there. We'd love to have you there as well. Right. Um, I, at the yeah, at the risk of like introducing yet another social channel, um, that's what we're gonna do. You know what's always bugged me though about Discord is if Discord is supposed to be bringing people together, why did they name it Discord? I thought if any <laughs> social media, like, who came up with that? Who's the brilliant marketing genius that came you up know, with Discord back, for Unity? I go back and forth on that. One Wasn't is it like paying attention when they came up with that? <laughs> Is it is it Discord in the sense of let's cultivate Discord, or is it Discord like let's create Discord? You know, I I I, I go back and forth on whether or not I think it's a really it's good the same name. thing. Well, like you want to have, uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm Larry. sorry. Discord Discord connotes negative. I'm just saying if you're not familiar with the social media, it's it's basically um, it's almost like a throwback in some ways to old style message boards. But it's but it's got social media yeah. features. Too. Yeah, what there's um there's a few cool things that I really like about Discord. One is it's really easy to organize conversations. Um, Jared helped us to set up the Discord and created these different channels for every different Star Trek series. So it's easy to have those conversations. But my favorite feature, Larry, yes, is you can just jump into voice chats. So if folks here in the Life Support Live community want to organize their own watch along, it's incredibly easy to say, hey, Wednesday at this time, we're going to meet in the Ready Room voice channel and we're all going to watch, I don't know, uh, give me a random Star Trek episode that people the might want to watch. The Revenge of the 47s, yes. There you go. There you go. Um, I was going to say Best of Both Worlds, but sure, let's okay. go with that okay. too. <laughs> Now, especially that we have a mountain of content on yes. Paramount Plus, um, we're we're happy <laughs> we're to create climbing. a little. <laughs> we're climbing our own mountain here, and it ain't pretty. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't oh, want to be gosh. discordant about it because I've got to be on. I don't. I just. I, that's always uh, that, and it's a dark. It's, so it's a dark theme site unless you go and alter the original you know the default look it's a dark site named discord i've just always had been weirded out about it but we're gonna change that we're gonna change yeah that guy. it's a fun it's gonna be a fun place but um, once andrew says seek discord uh larry andrew says he's waiting for the life support live episode where dr trek and dr Ali are combined in a transporter accident maybe we can maybe we can give the people what they want for episode 50 Ooh, larry and they and they 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 uh, create the combined being Doctor Doctor, Doctor Doctor. 
I was gonna just ask, what's our Tuvix name? Is it um uh, it would be Larry? No, no, um, uh, Larry. All, all, Ari? Ari. Ari? Ari. Uh, maybe no. Dr. Doctors. Well, okay. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, while we are stumbling our way through, please let us know what's your favorite episode involving a character with hyperfocus or um, distraction One or a theme. Right, yeah, right, or a right. theme on attention. Um, let us know what... what Since um, we're apparently wavering all over the theme of attention today, we really yeah. did have a method to our madness. Well, we've, you know, Larry, we thought it might be what better way to show attention than to be completely disorganized? Um, <laughs> what, what better way to, to celebrate this topic than to live it? You all ourselves? appreciated the model that we've displayed and illustrated today. <laughs> yes. um, Zaheer on Twitch, I think Zaheer's got the winning name Larry, um, Doctor Matichek. Uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. Or Doctor Nebitu. <laughs> I like. I like Doctor Nebitu. Um, I thought. I think it wasn't. Uh, wasn't uh, Matichek? Wasn't that like a, de- a detective show in the seventies? With uh, it sounds like it. Oh, George Papard. Wasn't that? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Nemetu does sound like a, a Star Trek alien, though. Um, like yeah. a visiting doctor from the Doctor Exchange Institute, wherever, wherever, uh, flocks came of, from. The kind of, the kind of guest character that everybody at the end instead does say, please, please, unblend him. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Go oh my gosh. Well, okay, so we've got, um, let's pay we've attention. We've got a few. We've got, uh, attention, attention. Okay. Um, Zaheer, Zaheer's right out of the gate mentioning the nth degree where Barkley goes from being Reg to being the all-knowing, grand-seeing computer. Um, yep. Zaheer, that's a great episode that Larry and I obviously did not think of, um, cause that did not come up in our show prep. Uh, I think that's a really great, it's, <laughs> It's a it's a really great example, Larry, and one of the reasons why I like that example is attention. We're going to get into this in the counselor's yeah. log. Attention. I mean, this super is a, this comp- is a, my wasn't say this is a broad. This is not like a little in the box category, but not in a crazy no. broad way that we get into. Sometimes we could go on all day with examples because we've made the topic too broad. Right. This is kind of a broad topic, but it's very specific. You know, one extreme or the other are very specific, and in Star Trek, very specific, I feel and, like. And one of the reasons why it is broad is because attention is a very complicated topic. And by the way, I always forget to do this, so let me actually open up the briefing room. Um, I always forget to, uh, <laughs> yes. to actually slide right that- in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, let's let's get into briefing room here. You were so a little the, distracted this morning, so it's okay. <laughs> the nth degree, and folks, I did have my coffee. This is me on one cup of coffee, too, so you should have seen me an hour ago. Um, but uh, attention is a very complicated topic, and um, the nth degree is, it, it shows us two sides of attention. One is um, Barkley, in the beginning, is a bit Bar- more dis- Bar- yeah. What well, Barclay is Barclay, and we know Barclay is someone who struggles with with uh, anxiety. 
he's distracted. He's thinking about a few different things. And sometimes anxiety can lead you to be hyper-focused. Like you're very, you, you hone in on threats and dangers and fears. And sometimes anxiety can lead you to be very distracted. And I was going to say, that's the way I would, yes. Or you're so, you're so focused on your anxiety, you're not paying attention to, yes. Totally. Totally. Or you might be like a, like a meerkat. You might kind of like always be like on guard looking, you know, like what, what, what was that? Right. Camera this way. Right, right. Here you are. I see you now. So uh, anxiety can do a number of things there. And and one of the other things we see with the nth degree is Barclay's IQ is being artificially um, um, amplified. Amplified. Yeah, that's that's a good word. You're welcome. And, (laughs) And sometimes people with very high IQ um it it can improve their ability to to manage their thoughts and to be more focused but that can also get to an extreme where sometimes people can have um too much of a hyper focus and and lose sight of the other important things around us so i think nth degree is such a beautiful example of showing us those two extremes too much of anything lieutenant even attention isn't necessarily a good thing Except bandwidth. I think we can always have too much bandwidth. That would that would help, especially when you're trying to put on a live show. I mean, I no, I, I think you can never have enough bandwidth. Yes, too much is mm. a good, yeah. Uh, Victoria's so, got another episode. Um, okay, please. Jake in the cards. Oh, they're, where they're obsessed with uh, finding the card. And yeah. yeah. See, this is, this is really like, most of the time when we pick a... When we pick a topic or a theme, the the opposite of that theme could be a whole other show. I mean, you know, or right. the the other end of the spectrum. And today we've picked this one that where attention is the idea, but yes, either extreme, too much of it or the lack thereof, uh, could be its own topic. But it's it's it keeps you out of it keeps you out of the ruts because uh, hyper focus or lack of it is is one condition. But yeah, or external factors. You were just talking about anxiety. Talking about fear, stress, you know, yeah. overwork. Those are all things that can lead to lack of attention because it's a secondary, it's a spinoff symptom of, of some other primary. Well, listen to me sound all medical. It's a secondary symptom of a. <laughs> well, well, you got, if it's a second, you got to make sure you get the tertiary and primary systems to bypass those secondary uh, attention, uh, Jeffrey tube blockages in the ODN network. Otherwise, the secondary manifold on the EPS conduit will be, yeah, your mental EPS conduit. And then yeah, you're all up in your, your own buffering filter. No, um, you do, and you want, you, if that happens, you got to turn on the type R algorithm um, manufacturing device. Um, or do like we did way back in the 2360s and just uh, cross-circuit to B, which I always love as the <laughs> ultimate in tech it's, it's like everything else uh, in the original series. It's so complicated, it's simple. Yes. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> the um going to B really helps with attack pattern Sierra if you ever need to to do that. Um but let's yeah. talk about Jake okay. and the cards. Let's talk um, about it. No, Doctor. Doctor Drake. Um so this is something that we uh, what, what uh, I remember about that episode is um um they're trying to find this baseball card, right? Uh right. Jake and Dog, right? And For so I think yeah, for his dad. Uh, was it his dad's birthday? Was it um, Ben's uh, birthday? Something like that, yes. 
Yeah, yeah. Or, or his his rejection of being the emissary anniversary or something, some big day. <laughs> rejection of being the emissary anniversary. Some special day to him. Yeah. <laughs> the day I spit in Picard's face anniversary, whatever it was. The day the day I punched Q in the face anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know why that's so I'll funny never guest star in this <laughs> town again. <laughs> I'm going to the Delta Quadrant now. Mm. I'm going to go torment the other franchise lead. <laughs> oh, go, gosh. going to go tempt uh, Kathy. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> well, um, what I wanted to say about In the Cards is um, something, something I, I, I think, something I really like is when we bring it back to the fandom and how we experience these things too. I mean, I've got my collection of uh, of Eagle Moth starships right there in in my closet right here. The reason they're not all, all on display, I've got I do keep my Kelvin. Let me see if I the one I keep out is um, it's over um, in the Kelvin universe, obviously. It is. I've got my I've got my Kelvin over here um, which uh, I I love the Kelvin. It's such a beautiful design. Um, anyways. You like the, so, you like the Monos Nacelic uh, design there? You know what? It, I think why I like it is um, the the um, the hull uh, mm-hmm. gives me um, the original series vibes, but the rest of it seems so familiar yet different. And to me, it, it just wow. reminds me of um, the feeling I had when I um, when I first watched 2009 Star Trek. Um, the very first few minutes was familiar and so different, and and an excitement about what might be coming. I think that's why I like the Kelvin so much. <laughs> okay. Anyways, anyways, I just had um, flashbacks to my first few minutes watching it, where we were all like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> You did hear. Please the let me like this. Series. Please let me like this. Please let me like. This. I know. I know. Um, I mean, we did hear the original series sound effects, which uh, that was mm-hmm. one of the very first things you hear. Anyways, this is not about. This is not a 2009 watch along. Um, pay attention. Pay attention. Back. Back. Stay on target. Um, <laughs> stay I've got on all my Eagle Moss starships, and they're in the they're in the closet because my daughter would destroy them if they're all out and about. But. Um, there, uh, I did experience this thing like Jake in the cards mm-hmm. where I had to have it and I had to, I had to sort of complete my collection. Um, I had to get all my enterprises and then I had to get my, um, the hero starships. So I needed to get the defiant. I needed to get deep space nine. I needed to get Voyager. Voyager. Um, I needed discovery. I needed, um, the, the sort of the ships of the shows. And it was this sort of, um, um, I don't want to say laser sharp focus, but it was something that, uh, really occupied my mind in the sense of, I need to complete this thing. Um, so I think that's something we experience when we might be collecting something is, mm-hmm. um, we might have, um, we might be preoccupied with it in a way that it's hard not to think about it. Okay. Well, but a collecting has to, is to sustain. Sometimes when I think about hyper focus, if that's what you're getting to, hyper focus feels like it's about something, you know, in the moment or a short term. I, I mean, I guess hyper focus over a long period of time, I mean, not to the extreme, but, you know, if you're focused on a goal, 
I want to have a car. I want to buy a house. I want to have an, you know, go up in stature and whatever the chain and the ladder is of whatever career I'm in. I mean, I guess sustained hyper is that even an is that a misnomer? Can you have sustained yeah, hyper focus? Or does hyper focus more... within a, a short term? Yeah, I think I think that's a good question. So well, you're welcome. A, a, a lot of uh, this topic about attention, distraction, hyper focus. We are usually talking about the short term, immediate future. Um, when we're talking about um, completing a collection, I think that's sustained um a sustained focus over a long period of time is more about um like goal completion and so Mm -hmm. it does uh, completing a big goal does require sustained focus over a long period of time it does require you to be reminded of hey this is something that's important like tend to it um but you can't have one without the other which actually brings up one of the episodes we had talked about, um, also involving, um, also involving Jake. Let me see if I can pull up the image over here. Um, oh yes, episode... that was your country. Being the bigger yeah. niner, that was your um, contribution. Yeah. Am I the bigger niner? Well, you're so hyper. I mean, I, I kind I'm so of focused on DS9. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, to every, every, to me, I mean, Star Trek was always like all the books on the shelf. And some mm-hmm. I pulled down more than I pulled down others, mm-hmm. and some were bigger than others. But they're all to me just books on the shelf. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's the book I had on the first, shelf, and there's the oh. book that I have to pull down and look at more often than others. But yeah. Speaking of books on the shelves and DS9, I just got a copy of the DS9 Tech Manual. Um, I've oh, never yeah. had it, and after you mentioned, after you described it in a previous episode, I ordered a copy. This one? Yeah, there it is. Uh, yeah. No. No, no, no. That's... Oh, no, the old one. The original. The old one. The old oh, one. The, the original. Good one, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, um, good in the sense of classic of the day. Cool. Yeah. The Rick and yeah, Mike yeah. and Doug uh, and John Tech Manual. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, I ne- I, it was one of my regrets. I never picked it up when it was still being uh, published. So I got a very good used copy from a bloke in England. Um, it took like two months to get here, but it just arrived yesterday and I was reading it. Um, I was reading the, the introduction by Ira, um, Larry, and he talks about how he's writing it out on a yellow legal pad. Um, and it brought me back to the conversation we had. But, um, yeah, so I, I, it's my nighttime reading now, Larry. Um, is I'm go I'm working my way through that the DS9 okay. tech manual. Just know that um, when you get into the, some of the, uh, the ship specs that they've been, uh, uh, massaged. Since yeah. early in the day, since right, yeah, no um, one told Rick Sternbach that his original designs had all been modified by the visual effects guys. <laughs> so everything is like real. So they, things had to be uh, massaged and adjusted. But it's, it's, it's funny awesome. that the intro talks. So he talks about that in the intro that like the, some of the details might be changed, but we hope this helps both fans and writers. And then he ends it by saying. Um, uh, by the time this book is released, the first pieces of the International Space Station should be assembled. And, you know, he's talking about influencing so- real-world science. And it's it's kind of amazing to read that now that um, we've had, you know, this, the space station is, uh, is really... Station's flourished. been up for 20-plus years, right, Yeah, and growing. Yeah. yeah, and been in the title sequence of uh, Enterprise. Of Enterprise, yeah. Getting back to... But I'm life. glad you were paying attention 
to what he wrote. <laughs> always, always. Um, the Muse is uh, an episode where a alien um, is giving Jake uh, this hyper focus, and not only this hyper focus, but this uh, the creativity that is allowing him to uh, to write the story. It's Jake also is really drawn- smoking. <laughs> yeah, she is. Uh, she's kind of sucking out his life force there. Um, and so let's let's kind of talk about this, Larry. Um, what about like artistic focus and creativity as it relates to attention? Oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. What now? <laughs> well, this is this was DS9 doing what what um, a lot of shows do is writers writing about writing. Um, writers love to write about writing. <laughs> it's like and, all those TV writer doctors love to write about, uh, oh wait, there are no TV writer doctors. Okay. Forget that. Yes. <laughs> writers writing about writing. Well, yeah, it's like, the, it's burnout. It's like, you know, it's like Gene Kuhn taking speed, not because he's a drug addict, but because that's what you did in the sixties. You took pennies and you'd like, like truck drivers took, you know, no does. So writers are going to, take speed amphetamines and crank out scripts because that's what they should do or that's what he did anyway but, but that's that how you pay a cost for that that's a burnout and that's that's what i now it, with more recent years and hearing uh andy richardson talk about that uh that's what I, comes to mind when i think about jake in that episode there's an alien that's uh he's thrilled to be so productive but at what cost son at what cost yeah yeah and uh i i never really thought about it in the um in that sense of how some writers might use substances to um, to to get through, like college some... students taking uh, um, Adderall and ADHD medication. Yeah, when they're not it's... when they're not an ADHD diagnosed person. Right. Um, uh, Stephen King's memoir. I think I have it right. Do I have it? Yes. Um, on writing. Um, which, if you're interested in writing, or if you're a Stephen King fan, um, I really like this this book. And he, he spends a lot of time talking about, um, how he focuses on writing. And, uh, Larry, did, did you freeze? Are you still there, Larry? I am. Oh, I, look, I'm frozen. Okay. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I was so busy fr- watching you do the book dance that I, uh, didn't the pay attention. Okay. I do think, I have to do a. I think you're frozen. Do you want to go out and come back in? I'm going to do a Skype dance. King? Okay. Okay. Larry's going to become a super S uh, for a moment. Okay, while Larry is is going and coming, um, if you're interested in writing, folks, this is uh, this is really wonderful. And uh, oh, I hear him. Let's see if this works. To disrupt the blue S, hopefully. Yeah, well, we see the blue S, okay. and hopefully we'll we we hear you. Um, and hopefully we'll be seeing you very shortly. So while, uh, while Larry's getting queued uh, up here, um, what is Stephen King talks about some of the pressures of, of trying to consistently produce written work and how, hmm. um, he has structured his environment. So, um, he's, he's spending like at least one hour a day writing and okay, you're back, Larry. They and one of the things. One of the things he tries to do is make his his home environment uh, to make it really easy for him to go into his office and just write and not be distracted. But he also talks about how drugs 
um, for a big part of his career, drugs were something that gave him this artificial focus in, in writing and how, um, his journey to become more sober. Um, but this is, this is something a lot of writers have experiences that struggle to produce creatively. And you're going to have, cre- you're going to have days where you're not very creative and you're going to have days where you are. But the, this gets back to what we were talking about, Larry, is, it's it's sustaining your attention in the moment when you're sitting down to write. Um, you and I have both experienced that. Um, you've written mm. um, a lot of books, and I have produced a lot of videos. And um, a lot of times you don't have good ideas, but you have to find a way to kind of stick and produce something. So there's right. a tension in the moment, and then there's sustained effort over the long term. Finding a way to do that consistently every day. Um, I'm kind of it's curious. It's almost like actually. you aim for a flow of some kind that gets you into the. Hey, now you're talking my language. Uh, the psychological state of flow. Um, I, I've I got mean, that in my notes. I don't mean kiss my grits. I mean, I mean F L O W. Yes. For any well, of you to go back. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about flow a little bit later. Um, but Larry, I'm curious what um, as as a as a author of several books how how do you do that how do you sustain writing in the moment um and deal with some of the the struggles that come with yeah with writing a book there there is well a book is just you know it's like anything else it's like having an outline and breaking it down uh sometimes i have it's you know like i do a column every issue for the the official magazine i have for 22 years done the uh q a column in the before there was Reddit, there was a fistful of data. And um, sometimes it's harder to work on. It's almost like sometimes the size of the, of, of the project doesn't matter. It's the small things that like getting in and getting out is tougher sometimes than getting into a big picture and, and flowing along. Does that make sense? You know, yeah, but sense. yes, when you're when you're in the when you're in the zone, you know, we have Bashir and O'Brien talking about being in the zone with their darts. Uh, and all of us have been in that feeling. When you're into that flow, as you're going to talk about again, uh, it's great. But sometimes starting and stopping uh, on shorter projects is it feels like it's harder. Have you found that to be? Is that a thing? Is there a term for that? Is there a term for that? I don't know if there's a term for that, but I think it is. It's called short-term um, start and stop attention difficulty. <laughs> My... My struggles have uh, have been less with the short term and more with the long term. Mm. So, um, and and that might be because the long term projects. Like I've been working on a book for so many years, but it's hard for me to make any oh. progress on it because there's no. I don't have a deadline. Um, Deadlines, yes, are very focusing. Speaking of, yeah, but. yeah, and all my short term projects, they always have deadlines. Um, it's less work and it's something that needs to be done by a certain amount of time. Right. But, um, books until you're, until you have the contract and you've been paid in advance and you have a, um, an editor and a publisher that are saying, where's, where's, the, where's the draft? Where's the draft, Larry? When you um, have, when you have Bob Justman standing on your desk to get the damn rewrite done. Yes. Right. That's right. Um, it's a mini K3 right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very mini. That was a, mini. that's like a, it's like a defiant sized mini. Right. Uh, or you've locked or... you've locked Harlan Ellison in the room they made into an office so we would hurry up and get the forty seventh rewrite of City on the Edge of Forever done. Damn it. Those uh, are very I think, um, <laughs> um 
the Star Trek Beyond writers did the same thing. They they locked themselves in like a hotel or something and spent well, all the time watching TOS and just trying to write. Um, right. Well, they so, were they were last minute replacements. Yeah. And time was the fire in which they burned and rewrote. Yeah. <laughs> um yes it was um i like to think of it as a companion that comes along with you in the journey to remind you that these moments will uh, never come again um but yeah sometimes as long as it's the kind of companion that you get residuals for and royalties for that's that's (laughs) sometimes the a deadline and outside pressure is um that's what brings the focus uh, Mm -hmm. to these to these situations even hyper focus Um, and that's when it's a good thing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, moving right along here. Um, uh, let's talk about... Oh, speaking of... That's a great segue, actually, to Star Trek Beyond. Um, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Oh, so, how, about, how about having your attention dulled? Yeah, your <laughs> senses dulled. <laughs> well, on that note... Something that Kelvin Kirk talks about in the very beginning of Kelvin Beyond. <laughs> I don't think I'm sure I've heard that term before. That just struck me. I, first thing when you said Kelvin Kirk, first thing I thought of was Kelvin Coolidge. But that's fine. Go ahead. That's a very different character. Yeah. Very um, different. So uh, this Kirk is talking about how things are feeling very similar. They're feeling very episodic. Um, the days kind of look the same. Which is amazing in a motion picture to feel so episodic. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell him that. Don't tell him he's in a movie and not a TV they'll show. Never, they'll never do episodic uh, Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the thing about um, the thing about that that I actually um, a lot of um, a lot of people have reacted to that. Like how how can you feel so episodic? This is your third movie. Um, and looking at it now from a 2021 lens, I think many of us have felt the same way, that there isn't much novelty to our day. There isn't much of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Things look kind of the same. Many Especially of us in a are, lockdown in a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, during the worst parts of 2020, it really, it really kind of felt like that. And even now... You know, some people, hopefully, in our community here, are are vaccinated, um, and they might they might feel, and and they might be in parts of the world where things are a little bit more open or cases are down, and other people might be in a place where you know there isn't really much of a hope of getting vaccinated anytime soon, or you might be in a place where rates are going up. But whatever, wherever you are, I think we all um, we all miss the surprise nature of what the world was like before mm-hmm. like things are our options are much more limited for what we can do right now and it might be feeling a little bit episodic and this when when that's sort of happening larry it can be very easy to um to feel a bit more distracted um it's it's a lot easier to be paying attention when you're in a situation where there's new stuff happening. So if you ever go on vacation to a new place or you're visiting a new city, you're much more alert. You're seeing a lot more stuff. You're more plugged in. Uh, you're much more mindful and aware of what's going on in you and around you. But when things are the same over and over and over again, 
you know, you're um, you're not really that plugged in to to your environment. It's almost as if you're, uh, I don't know, what's that technical term? Bored? Yes. <laughs> Un- <laughs> unstimulated by new stimuli or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boredom, I think. Um, boredom about- is something that. Yeah. What about some episodes? We've kind of strayed from our episodic case level. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm actually going through the chat here, and it's. I. It's like none of us are being attentive to individual episodes. We got off on some. Um, uh, I and I sent you some images, and remember, I can't see yeah. them now. I sent, thank you, modern Skype uh, rehash. I can't see them, but there were actually. Uh, because my first thought was, well, every five seconds is an attention issue in Lower Decks. <laughs> yeah, we've actually. There's, yeah, there's been a lot of comments trauma about Lower Decks. And, you know, Discovery and and DS9 ought to be all the trauma people with attention things. But uh, you know, even Next Generation in the original series, we're supposed to be our better humans, and it's like, when does you know attention enter into it? Is at least among regular cast and all that. But I there were a couple of times. One that I still like the line because it was so odd was speaking of Harlan Ellison uh, sitting on the edge of forever when they're watch- standing there. And after the history parade keeps going through the Guardian and Spock, uh, Sp- <laughs> Spock, try, try to say Spock and McCoy together. That's interesting. Spock yanks <laughs> on his own tricorder and says, I am a fool. I have missed recording, you know, but he's distracted by the amazement of this thing and for even Spock is gobsmacked by something he's never seen before yeah, and I'm putting up that you know the right the scientists uh, the curse of the scientists to be distracted by new phenomenon but I always loved I always did love that line I am a fool um I you know I missed recording all this well and and that's um I like that example for a few different reasons. One is, boy, Larry, this is just a great screen cap right over here. Um, what a beautiful, the colors and uh, the sharpness. It just, you know, when you, when you actually just sit and look at those HD scans of the original series, um, I mean, what a beautiful production. The, mm-hmm. the texture, the, the costumes, the, the lighting, um, TOS. Uh, you, you reshared, um, someone posted that meme. From uh, the chase, where it had the um, oh, right the the sort of um, the the superordinate life form and right, all the right. other life forms around it, and someone put on top TOS and uh, the Cardassians, the humans, the Romulans, the Klingons. Everyone else was like the next generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. Right. <laughs> They're like, all the, yeah, the the primal yeah the primal humanoid, and everybody else is a spinoff of that. But instead of rice, it was TV. Show. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. TNG yeah, and DS Nine and Voyager and yeah, TIS. It, it's it a, that's a nice little uh, nice little meme. And um, sometimes when you look at the original series, just uh, actually just look at it, you're like, this is this is really beautiful. Um, what a well um, boy does it hold up so well. Um, but I, I like that example because this is Spock, so this enlightened being who is um, who is neglected. His, his tricorder. Now, now, why might that be? Well, sometimes, this gets back to the concept of you, mindfulness. You stand uh, in front of a giant concrete donut time machine and see what happens to you that says it's exactly. been there since before for billions of years and see what you think. Exactly. Sometimes yeah. when you are so aware and so plugged into something that you might neglect other things around you. And, and that level of focus can sometimes 
lead you to neglect other things. But is that is that good? You know, um, the idea of mindfulness is to be uh, very well aware of what's happening inside you and around you. And sometimes to be awestruck like that, you will ignore other things. Um, it, it maps onto an idea called deep work which is when um, it's kind of related to flow. It's when you're so involved in what you're doing that you neglect your phone. You might neglect what's happening outside and other people around your home. You're just really plugged into what's happening here. Sometimes, Larry, that's the goal. That's that's what we want to try to get to. Right. And I know a few folks have mentioned attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. Um, this is... You know, some, uh, a lot of times parents would ask me, how does my kid have attention deficit? Because they can also sit down and play video games for hours and hours and hours. And that's where I explain to parents that attention deficit has, the other half of that is hyperactivity. It's hyper, disorder. yes, hyperfocus. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's not that you can't pay attention, but it is a, a struggle in managing your attention. So while ADHD is, is a bit more of an extreme form of it, We've all been in situations where we are so attentive to one thing, maybe because we're awestruck by it, that we might neglect other things, like Spock does in that moment. Right. Right. Well, I mean, again, if we're going to have this theme of attention and, and lack of it, then there can be all kinds of external situations. The other one that I – I keep thinking I gave you another one from original series, or I had some ideas of it, but uh, – the other one is from from Ratha Khan. Oh yes, it's in the moment, yeah, it's it's basically the you go right on quoting regulations, Lieutenant. It's I got caught with my britches down. Um, you know, I got caught chewing the scenery and not reading my tech manual. But, um, the, <laughs> but wait a minute, where did that handkerchief come from, and where did that pocket come from? Yeah. Oh look, we have. <laughs> New uniforms, we have pockets. I was just thinking about that. It's like, wait, where did that handkerchief come? Wait, Starfleet has official Starfleet handkerchiefs that aren't... Yeah. Well, you need handkerchiefs for all the times the rocks fall down on the bridge. Oh, okay. okay. You need... You gotta be ready because you're gonna get... You're gonna get a little uh, roughed up. Um, a little dusty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a little dusty. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a great moment there. Um and and it's also um, what I like about there's always we can pull so many examples from Wrath of Khan, but you keep missing the target. What one of the, the things that Kirk does so well is AKA misdirection. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you say attention, Larry, but you keep missing the target. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one of the, the great moments there is the, the misdirection of mm. Khan. Not mm. only do they um, misdirect him in terms of time, but they, they sort of misdirect him in terms right. of space as well. And so they are intentionally um, trying to draw Khan's attention uh, one place so that they can, yes, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I thought of so, the, the, there's the whole science of using attention and misdirection as a tactic, which is a yes. classic, you know, military and psych out. I mean, you know, whether you're in combat or you're in melee or you're in starship fighting, um, it's all a good target. Um, the comments uh, <laughs> kind of brought up, bless you, Larry. Um, Steve mentioned uh, Picard's obsession with destroying the Borg in First Contact. 
Um, and then there was a, a small follow-up from Linda saying, I adored those scenes with Alfie Woodard. And so this is another one where... Um, Don't break the, your little ships. Yeah, a little. Um, so the thing... <laughs> the, the Another movie we could quote for, for all day long. Um, but uh, some could argue that Picard is a little obsessed with the Borg. And he has lost focus while others might say picard is deeply focused on what has to be done what say you larry to and suffers from hyper focus i i would say hyper focus on that one but you know what i had another thought on the uh, last night i had another thought on the original series and it's almost like false i don't know but in obsession remember kirk has for 20 years has blamed himself for freezing uh, up and not shooting at the vampire cloud, right? Mm-hmm. I know it's just something about, uh, and he, you know, he's he wrongly blamed. He didn't know, and then they come out and Spock and everyone else is saying, "Don't keep blaming yourself for what happened." Then it's the same thing as is our young ensign here can't get Garavik can't blame himself either because he's saying the same thing. I froze. I didn't shoot in time because there was a what? What do you call that? The opposite of when you freeze. It's not fight or flight. What am I trying to say? What, what, it's, anyway. a, it's a freeze response. Yeah, it's a part of yeah, anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's um, like it feels like it's the opposite of hyper. Well, I don't know. You're so hyper focused. You can't. You're what are you doing? You're you're frozen with options or you're frozen with what? I don't know. Well, it's it comes from. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. I, um, I think I stumbled the, into something. It's not germane. But anyway, anyway it's it's kind of um, um, I think it's in some ways it is um, the the freeze response is something that a lot of animals do we do as well it's uh, a deer in headlights um right, uh, right. A deer is, is frozen there and in a lot of aspects of nature when you freeze it can reduce the sense of danger um animals a predator might think you're dead and uh predators don't want to eat dead food uh, because it might might be rotten and, and all of that. And sometimes you might reduce the chances of someone seeing you. You might also uh, reduce escalating a danger. Um, so the freeze response and, and um, anyone who experienced selective mutism as a kid, that's something I had, where you're in, in certain situations, you were mute. It's like someone pressed the mute button. You wouldn't talk. That's the freeze response in action. Um this, I think, it maps onto Picard because Picard is dealing with a, tra- a trauma that he has had with the Borg. Um, someone in the comments, let me pull this up, um, was talking about... Oh, yeah. Uh, so Libby said the entire Picard series is an obsession of his, LOL. And I think the um, what we're seeing in First Contact, what we see in Picard are aspects of, of his trauma playing out. This gets back to the very first episode of Live Support Live, Larry. We're talking about Picard's journey with trauma. Mm-hmm. And people who have experienced trauma sometimes might get stuck and and very focused on, on certain things that have happened to them. And so is Picard well-focused? Is he distracted by the Borg? I think it's all really a matter of perspective. And what we see in First Contact is what can happen to people who have experienced trauma is they might become very, very focused on one aspect of the experience mm-hmm. that they've gone through. Lose the balance. That, right, right. They might have yeah. lost the balance and, and that might help them in some ways and it might also harm them in other ways because they right. might not see the bigger picture there. 
Right. It's just, you know, just chalk it up to that Royal Shakespeare Academy training um, that Starship <laughs> captains go through where you can do that. <laughs> Keep you guessing as to whether it's hyper-focus or lack of focus at all. Um, oh, my gosh. Um, Nathaniel asks, um, Ali, how is focus different from persistence? And I think this gets back to the question we had just ah, a moment ago. Persistence you know, of vision. Yeah, yeah. I think persistence really requires you to have an understanding of what what are your priorities and making consistent decisions to pursue those priorities and setting up your environment and your resources so you can consistently pursue those those things that are important to you. Um, it gets back to what Larry said about attention is much more about in the ver- in the moment right now, but persistence is about staying true to that goal over the long term Mm, mm. that's a great question um and different things can help but you kind of need both especially when you're doing something like writing a book as as larry and i were talking about i'm i'm throwing back here probably but in chat so nathaniel says uh the ascent ds9 but the b story not i ascent is uh odo and quirk stuck on the mountain with the with the transmitter yeah but the the b story is nog and jake sharing a room with oh. Nog being hyper focused on order and Jake oh. being sloppy, but this is this is speaking of ADHD is that whole thing of when you're working, do you like absolute quiet or do you like yeah. white noise? Yeah, and this is yeah. like this is like Nog and that's Nog and Jake's situation, but you know, visualized and personified here and blown up even more. Do you, you know, like chaos or do you like stillness? Yeah, that's a, that's a great. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about that B story. You're welcome. Um, well, let's thank Nathaniel here for that. Yeah, thank you, Nathaniel. That's a good one. So, um, for some people, they do benefit from quiet. That is focusing for them. And some people require white noise and sounds. And some people, um, music can be focusing. And for some people, music can be distracting. Me myself. And I, I guess, <laughs> uh, I, I listen to a lot of instrumental music, a lot of Star Trek scores. Um, they really help me to focus because when I hear talking or sounds in the background, it's very distracting for me. So having the music kind of, um, tunes that stuff out and helps me to focus. But my wife is the opposite. She needs silence to be able to work. Um, the one thing we can all agree on. What is it about is... opposite that that's the way we are? In fact, yeah. in fact, what we have is Janet. She, when she's going to sleep or when she's working, she wants something in the background, but she wants mm-hmm. it something she's heard a million times. Right. Because right, if it's, right, right. if it's something new, then her brain kicks into it. So she yeah. has like, she'll, she'll get into a series. She went through Firefly 47 billion times. Currently, right now, it's <laughs> Death in Paradise. The, it's the original cast's Death in Paradise seasons. She'll go to sleep with that on because she she wants the white noise, but she doesn't want it to perk up her ears and listen to something new. I don't know mm. if you've ever come across that, but she we yeah. go through like a year. Here's what was this year's thing. This you know this year's thing was name a British detective show or something. It's like right. okay, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's totally a thing. Um, when we rewatch things that are very familiar to us, it's it's almost like you're inviting over um, very close friends. And it's, it's very comforting. You're just kind of reliving these conversations. And, um, especially for, um, 
for people who might be struggling living alone, rewatching shows like that can make you feel less alone and more connected. So it's it's very comforting um, in much the same way that um, a meal can be very comforting. Rewatching some of these things, just having them on can be very comforting. Um, so, yeah, no, I absolutely get that. Um, I think the one thing that that is equally disruptive for all of us, um, and this is why who knows what this new world is going to look like, Larry, on the other side of the pandemic, but open offices. A whole um, new world. <laughs> that's where we'll be. So many distractions. Hopefully no coronavirus for you and me. Um, one of the things that has been shown to be equally bad in, in open offices is distracting sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, almost everyone needs to have headphones on to be able to, uh, to, uh, to not hear those noise. Open offices have kind of been a, dis- uh, uh, disaster when it comes to distraction. So now we're yeah. into cubicles, which is just equally as damaging. It feels like, but anyway. yeah. And who, who knows what it's going to look like with, uh, in the post pandemic world. Right. Um, but, um, what I was going to say with this is, um, getting back to Nog and Jake, um, part of it might also is this um that episode is post nog's trauma right and it's it's before it's only a paper moon no it's before it is before it's before it's after the trauma but before paper moon or no it's i think no it's well, it's before no because that's that's like last season okay okay yeah so so this is it's really just about their individual differences right and right. and yeah no i think that's a that's a beautiful example but it's the after brings, in, it's after he's at the academy and in starfleet because he's more you know spit and polish zahir brings up a great question here um crazy thought does alexander have klingon adhd um is there such a thing um hey zahir but- it's a fictional show, so maybe like it's it's not. There's no. Hey, he's got no some human, He has a human uh, strain. Exactly, you know? he yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. Would that explain? Uh, would that explain why he couldn't fulfill Klingon norms? Worf, on the other hand, had hyperfocus on being Klingon. So I think it's a it's definitely a possibility. He does have some of that human DNA, and guess what? A lot of Klingons have human DNA because of the whole augment virus, too. So. Oh, you know, I hadn't even considered that. Ugh. Oh, yeah. It, oh, it, yeah. The we, impact of the augment virus besides bumps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and this is this is one thing I was going to mention in the counselor's log, but one of um, okay. one of the long term symptoms of of covid of covid-19 mm-hmm. are the, the cognitive symptoms, the difficulty with focus um anxiety uh these things that uh, a lot of people who have had covid describe this kind of brain frog that they go through and mm-hmm. um and a difficulty kind of focus with that uh i think that's a good parallel to what might have happened as a result of the augment virus is there would probably be it's not just physical but there would probably be some mental symptoms as well so maybe that could be one of them so here, I think it's total possibility. Um, the the other no, thing okay. too, maybe it's 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 ADHD, but the other thing that happens is um, when you're learning a new skill, like like take uh, driving a car for example. There's so many things that you have to learn. You have to learn how to drive straight. You have to learn how to use a turning signal. So you have to learn how to how to change lanes, check the rear view mirror. You have to learn how to operate all the the knobs, the accelerator, the brake. Right. 
So think about poor Alexander. He, there's so many things about being a Klingon, so many things about Klingon culture, so many things about fighting, so many things about honor. And Alexander hasn't really learned a lot of the basics. So when he's thrust into these Klingon situations, he's at a big disadvantage. It's like not really having a good instruction in how to drive a car and then being asked to drive on a busy Manhattan street where everything's coming at you and it's just complete chaos. Um, so uh, how much of it is nature? How much of it is nurture? It's probably a little bit of both for Alexander, I think. Yeah. Well, you're saying all that. I'm just thinking about the opposite is Worf being raised in a human, in a vacuum with humans, even though the Rajenkos may have been, you know, trying to show him parts of his culture, but he, that, but that's why he's compensating. He always compensates because he grew up. It's like when you're an expatriate and you're away from home and you try to outdo everybody at home. Uh, I, I, hey, I need to do a shout out to just you mentioned something Steve said earlier. I, I was thinking about my comment about obsession really was from last night. But I wanted to say that didn't mean to steer in the holodeck with minuet when they're supposed to be off the ship and the binars are doing their thing. Still can't. He still lost it. Oh, I'm gonna put I hear you. Uh, I hear you, Larry. You got me now? I okay. got you. I'm trying to go back. We got it. We're skipping around. What about uh, I sent you Riker in the holodeck with Minuet? And yes. Picard has to come in and go, hey, 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 which gets me back. It's the holodeck, which is a great distract. We, that's a whole topic in itself. We go to the holodeck to be distracted and to be re- recreated. Uh, but then it can you know, what happens when I the like holodeck, that. <laughs> what happens when the holodeck goes wrong? And you're getting a little too much uh, distraction. But that was the case where it was a little too much distraction, but no one expected to have that much. That was a whole new, uh, you know, a, a quantum level forward in in uh, holodeck recre- in recreation. I love how they act like the holodeck was just invented and they're all going in for the first time because it was, but not really. Yeah, the minuet, I'm, I've got that image up right now uh, where actually both Picard and Riker seem to be so distracted by by minuet. And um, I think what they're... Well, I think Picard a, is distracted by how much Riker's... I mean, he, he swept up with her a little bit himself. Yes. But it's a little bit like the scientific curiosity. But I think he's also distracted by just how much Riker's distracted. Yeah, yeah. And, and this can... Um, so... Uh, Part of the distraction is Minuet has been created by the computer to be this, um, like very strong wish fulfillment for Riker. And it, they're, they're also distracted by how realistic the simulation, they're in awe of the technology here. It's early TNG and they're still like drooling over how cool the holodecks are, right? They lose focus on that. Once, uh, you know, the, the holodeck all right. takes over and almost kills them many, many times down the road. But, um, they, they never learn. Like, don't turn off the safeties here, folks. But anyways, um, and also don't tell the computer to create a villain that can, um, that can defeat data. Right. But, um, the, the parallel here is, uh, entertainment. Um, I mean, how many of us have been distracted by, um, you mentioned, uh, watching, uh, Janet watching Firefly so many times. How many of us have been distracted well, by, that year. um, that year? <laughs> yeah. Um, one how year many of us parallels? It was multi, she called it multiple wharfs, but one year she just hyper focused on, that's what, that was her thing to go to sleep by. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, 
Well, and, and, and how many of us sit down to watch an episode on Netflix and now we've, we've binge watched the whole season of something? Like we can be, or we sit down to play a video game and now we look up and it's been five hours. So, um, like the next generation episode, the game, right? So sometimes entertainment can be so absorbing and engaging that um we can become distracted by it and it, it's very hard to to manage that and and to uh to deal with that um so i think that's that's a great uh that's a great example of that uh melanie jean says what what about the survivors on tng where the dowd kevin uxbridge i just remember the names in this episode so much um he was a super being. His wife was killed. He zapped their entire race out of existence and made a hollow copy of his wife. <laughs> and then he blocked the innocence <laughs> with that loud music. Um, yeah. Uh, people, it's all over the place here. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Steve says Commander Decker and his response to the doomsday machine oh, yeah. and the destruction of the constellation and the death of his crew yeah. yeah well i mean any number of those things could really do a number on your uh, your uh attention well at what point does this and the show obsession we were just talking about with kirk but it's like at what point does hyper focus become obsession and becoming what is obsession is when yeah. it becomes unhealthy right and you're too far yeah 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 um when it becomes unhealthy and and um it also makes me think of grief um I know Jared is a is a fan of WandaVision, and I'm not going to give any spoilers, but the whole show is really about grief and getting distracted by that. And, you know, when um, um, sometimes our our minds are trying to tell us something that, hey, there's this really important thing that's happened to you. You need to tend to this. And sometimes we might think it's, it's, we're so distracted by something, but it's, it's our mind's way of thinking, of saying like, look, you need to take care of this thing. Um, for a long time, uh, Larry, people, um, scientists really wondered why does depression zap you of your ability to experience pleasure? Like why, um, sometimes people when they're depressed, they'll say, you know, I'm going through the motions, but I don't enjoy this anymore. Mm. Um, I'm watching Star Trek, but it's not, I'm not enjoying They're it. They're just dead. They're just dead inside. Right. Like, why do I feel dead inside? And um, the newest theories about this are that this, um, this is probably evolved to be in our, in our programming because it, it does stop us from continuing down the path where we're at. So that we can focus on whatever, a focus on some problem in our life. That depression's like the stop sign that says, "Hey, don't don't keep going down. There's this issue going on that you need to tend to," and so that's why it's zapping us of of our ability to feel pleasure, so that we're we can tend to something. So sometimes is it is it distraction or is this grief or depression? trying to tell us something that we need to take care of and we need it's to your warning it. signals yeah the warning yeah. signs of yes it's like your red alert or sometimes a yellow alert um yeah um there's a you mentioned uh from voyager uh larry uh virtuoso um 
And I, I love this screen crap you, you brought up of, uh, of the doctor, um, in that, that beautiful, uh, wardrobe. And I love that even when they're in this wardrobe, they still have their, their comm badge on. Um, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about Virtuoso that you wanted to talk about? Well, I was, I'm thinking that <clears throat> the, that's a case where something, a radical shift in life, a, a positive, you know, the ego boo, the ego boost of uh, becoming an instant star celebrity was so distracting um, that it took it took the doctor out of his normal life, which especially in this case, he was providing the major. He was the, the healer of the ship and he was so consumed by his sudden fame. You know, that reason for distraction, that lo- that reason for yeah. losing focus, that yeah. he was totally distracted and not in the moment for his normal when other people depended on him. Yeah. So it's all well and good to, you know, to have your own distraction. But when when you're when you're supplying a vital cog and something greater than yourself, distraction can be uh, wherever it comes from. You know? Especially and when you're the only doctor. You think it's a positive, <laughs> but it's not. You know? Yeah. Um, the way you actually mentioned it here, that makes me I think that's such a a modern problem. Um, so if you this happens with social media all the time is. Um, we're, we're so wired for social connection and we're, we're very much wired, um, to, um, to seek, um, the, the support and approval of, of other people. Um, in some ways it's, it's a bit of a safety mechanism that keeps us from doing really bad things, but it can also be harnessed for nefarious purposes, which it often is by social media. So, uh, virtuosos is similar to, Posting a message or a tweet and then getting caught up in all the likes or the retweets or the resharing or all the comments that are coming, um, where you might get so pulled into that and you're not focusing on, on the, the real life relationships around you. I mean, I've definitely struggled with that where I sometimes might be distracted by what's happening on my phone and on social media more than the dinner I'm supposed to be having with my wife and my daughter. Um, and I don't think that's a personal fa- failure as much as it is our failures in designing imperfect technology that are harnessing some of our biggest points of distraction. Um, so... so- that, I think, is a very modern issue, Larry. I think many of us struggle with this. The same thing the doctor struggles with, that, that sudden yeah. fame. We struggle with that all the time. Yeah, well, yes. But especially in this case where others depended on it. wasn't just He's not just in a vacuum. Yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes we can be in our own case. And another one that I sent you, and I'm trying to catch up in the chat. There's so many good ones here. I want to say it's statistical problem. Uh, Charlotte had the, oh. one, the DS9 here. <clears throat> where Bashir is so caught up with his genetically modified his 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 um, uh, folks who are a case example of why not to allow genetic engineering um, that he's their their little think tank has decided that they might as well just surrender the Dominion and Bashir is all caught up in that and yes. uh, Cisco says uh, she says uh, no we're not surrendering. <laughs> Because he thinks it'll save lives. You know, he's run the database and he's run the formula and the variables mathematically and took out the human element. But uh, he's hyper-focused on that and and um, is distracted by the reality of we can't go off and swim. Yeah, I sent yeah. You, but- I, I sent you another one from Voyager, though, just so it's another aspect of this whole thing about losing focus and losing attention. 
it's like when you have a hobby or a passion, it's a little bit like Jake and the Muse. He wanted to write. Oh, so yes. this alien took advantage. But here's a case where Tom's affinity for twenty for somewhere between the intersection of twentieth century stuff and, you know, twentieth century cars and all that. And Alice Yes. You know, aka Christine in the Delta Quadrant, um, you know, becomes a thing where she she weaponizes his interest and totally uses him for her own ends, but to the to the rest of the crew, to Balana and everyone else, he's become so hyper focused here, he's driving himself he's being used. It's not just yeah. within him. But yeah. it's another sci fi plot case where somebody's hype where hyper focus can be deadly or, yes. you know, usurped. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 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 where someone's interest, someone's interest combined with a vulnerability can be harnessed for, for bad purposes. Um, and I, I think that's also something that can happen a lot right now is, um, we might be struggling and we might need a little bit of a distraction. Um, but that, that desire for a little bit of an escape from the, the chaos of our lives can can be harnessed for very evil purposes um i think stuff like candy crush might be an example of that is these games that that say they're free but um behind the scenes they've created algorithms that really pinpoint when are people leaving the game give them a big uh big bonus to get them to come back in and let's find ways so that they can actually pay um, pay us to overcome these, these problems. So we kind of keep them hooked. Um, I think, uh, Candy Crush is a little bit of a, of an Alice there. I thought you were going to go with, uh, Message in a Bottle. That's another and one. That, that's, another. that's uh, yeah. I thought that was the Voyager episode you were going to talk about. There's some great moments of, uh, of both distraction and hyper focus there between these two doctors and between a little bit of their, uh, their competition. They've got, they've got bigger problems to solve, but they keep butting heads against, uh, against each other. Yeah, the battle of the EMHs. Yeah, there's some, I mean, when we came up with this topic, everybody, and I'm going and I'm way behind in the chat and I'm seeing all kinds of great things. I mean, it's on one hand, you say attention and the lack of it or distraction. And on one hand, that seems a little fuzzy. And I was mm -hmm. like, wow, what? Where are we going to come from with this? But then when you think about the micro moments in so many plots and so many, you know, guest stars and regular characters, too, people are throwing all kinds of ideas in the chat here. We're so far behind or I am. But uh, and we and we need to move along. I know we're the clock is we had a real late start, but we're the clock is rolling. Um, yeah, Melanie brought up one. Uh, remember the boy whose mother was killed in hero worship, and how he became obsessed with data. And some aliens um, brought his mother back to convince the boy she was not real. That was that was very sad. And that I think that's another example, of Melanie, of um, of grief and and loss and especially complicated grief and traumatic loss and how these can really uh uh change our focus and what's great about hero worship is um it's one of the a few times where we're really seeing the perspective of a child and how different um trauma and grief can be for for kids um star trek doesn't give us kid stories often but that was um that was a that was a really good one. I, I like that one. Um, one more TNG example I want to bring up, Larry, was uh, "Remember Me." 
Yes. Oh, um, I even sent you that. Yeah. And you sent me that image, that beautiful <laughs> that moment. That was one like, of yours. Yes. Yeah. Um, Beverly's got it's it's a great Beverly episode, and um, I love I love the line. What's the line in this one? If there's nothing wrong with me, then there has to be something wrong with the universe. Is that is that her line? Yeah. Um, what a great! <laughs> um, I love that line so much. And so, Beverly is showing us a hyper focus here. Where this is the one problem that she is singularly, singularly focused on. And Larry, sometimes that hyper focus on a problem is exactly what we need, especially if it's a life or death situation. So, um, this gets back to statistical probabilities too. I want to, I want to tie these things together. The problem there with Go statistical on. probability. Yes. I, I, please <laughs> allow me to. Um, the problem, Proceed, <laughs> the problem with statistical probabilities is Bashir is Bashir and, and, and his, uh, his team are so focused on the logic. And what, what Cisco reminds them of at the end is, um, doctor, that's stupid. Um, you <laughs> have to, it's not just about the facts. But it's also about the emotions. Right. You, you, we need to bring these two things together. That's, that's where psychological wisdom comes from is, is the integration of not only facts, but emotion and experiences. That's, there's this, uh, treatment called dialectical behavior therapy and it tries to weave these things together, not just oh, facts DBT. and logic. DBT. Yeah. Um, uh, perhaps you've heard of it. Uh, uh, no, but I can anachronize anything, but go ahead. <laughs> it, it's the integration of those things. And what Beverly is doing in Remember Me is it, it's so much about, about that, that she is so emotionally driven to try to solve this problem. And for good reason, because it, it just, things aren't adding up and it's actually quite scary. And she, if she doesn't tend to this, well, you know, um, her life might be in danger. So sometimes we might be emotionally driven to try to solve this problem. And that can be a very good thing. A lot of scientists were emotionally driven throughout 2020 to focus completely on um, the, the pandemic. And that was a good thing, Larry. That's exactly what we should be. Yeah. I will say one thing. If you've ever wondered why why a baby crying on an airplane is so annoying... It's because of this. Um, we're biologically wired when there's a baby crying to focus on it. Um, and the reason it's a bit of a safety device here for our species that if there's a baby crying, we will all tend to it. And the problem with a baby crying on the airplane is you keep hearing it, but there's nothing you can do about it. Right. The parents have stuff that they can do. The parents, the guardians of the kid, there's something they, th there is stuff they can do and they're able to, to address that and, and alleviate that concern. But the passengers can't. They still hear it. They feel like they should do something about it, but there's nothing they can do about it. So they're like, will someone, you know, shut that baby up? Or, or sometimes they might get up and try to help. Um, but this is a hardwired thing in us to, you hear a baby crying tend to it like it will consume your attention but if there's nothing you can do about it it is deeply frustrating and i i again i'm <clears throat> keeping an eye on the clock and i just want to tell everybody that and i'm I, i'm behind the chat so maybe we've got some great examples but i was <laughs> flipping through in my mind going through uh three seasons actually one and a half years 
three seasons of Discovery, the first season of Picard. And I know we can pull out examples there, but one of them that got me, I mean, in Lower Decks, see, the comic timing and the comic vibe of Lower Decks, where something like attention is is a comic plot device. Oh, somebody didn't pay attention, and they should have to this and the other. But there was one moment that stood out for me, and I sent you that one, so we don't we don't ignore our little animated brethren and sistren. Is um, of all those characters, and when com- and, you know attention and lack of attention is played for a comic moment. But uh, the t- the the bit where Tendi was in the her colleagues um, the memory sand tapestry floor thing, but right. she. <laughs> She was she she got all a distracted by this gong across the floor, which wasn't right. at all part of what he's doing. And then right. she gets over there and she knocks it. She's awkward and knocks it over. And then she's you know she's not paying attention to what's going on and blows that up. And then she destroys it and she's chasing it and she destroys the sand sculpture or the sand tapestry. Anyway, that was just like here's the danger of not paying it. Just here's the good old uh, if you're distracted and not paying attention. This is almost like the modern day version. Oh, here's a um, an original series one for everybody. But it's like you don't even need the picture; you just need the sound. You just need to remember Kirk reporting Finney for leaving a breaker open or something, and and years later Finney almost tries to kill Kirk because he made one little mistake. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, that all came up when I was thinking about Tendi in this scene. It's like in her one little mistake of like, oh, that's shiny, you know. Um, they're in a Starfleet where people can get distracted by the shiny, and it's well, you're not on the Enterprise, but you're on the Cerritos, and you get played for played for a laugh, and maybe, then, a, learning, maybe a learning moment. But there you go. That's a great example. And if you if I was serving in Starfleet and seeing Larger. new things every day, I think I'd be struggling with that as well. Um, one last thing, and then maybe I'll do a quick combined counselor's log. I was going to say, yeah, mission, yeah. Um, Heidi, um, Heidi made a great comment where she brought up, um, multitasking and how, uh, we're not really wired for that. And, uh, what I want to mention with that is humans can't multitask. Um, it's, it's impossible. What, what people think of when they think of multitasking is actually task switching. Um, so, um, I know people might say, well, I can drive and listen to the music. It's, it's more about, um, I can text and drive at the same time. Right, right. Um, If we take that as an example, um, where humans can, we can switch between what we're doing, but there is a cost involved. And um, when you switch tasks, it takes you a bit of time to get fully into that task. And the the consequence is um, you're not as good at it and your reaction time can really slow down. So... Larry, your example is a great one. Texting and driving. The danger with that is we're switching completely our focus of what we're doing. And um, if if we need to slam on the brakes, we're actually slower to slam on the brakes and react because we were in a different activity. So that's what humans do. We task switch. And yeah, we can drive and listen to the music, but um, we're not fully actually doing that we're not really um it's more of an automatic process like a a background thing that's happening um if you start driving in a new direction that you haven't been it kind of consumes your attention you have to turn the music down so we're more task switchers and the more we um 
It's fine to do that if you're doing stuff that's not important. If you're just browsing the internet and you're watching Star Trek in the background, that's fine. But if something becomes important, like if you're doing your taxes, or if you're watching a new episode of Star Trek you've never seen before, you're probably going to want to give that your full full focus and full attention. Um, but thanks for bringing that up, Heidi. I think that's... Uh, that's um, yeah. Okay, Larry, let me do a combined... Um, I'm going to combine yes. uh, this week's counselor's log, and I'm also going to combine um, are the... You, are you away... running a double whammy of the graphics? I, am, I just did! I just did! Okay. I did a double whammy of the graphics right now. Um, okay, That's folks, so for it. I'm going to try to do this a little quickly. A lot of the stuff I, I wanted to talk about in the counselor's log, I've already talked about this. There's a lot of reasons why we struggle with the tension right now. It is... Um, difficulty focusing is a problem from covid we know that uh, people who recover have been dealing with that but sleep can make it worse um irritability can make it worse um a lot of us are dealing with irritability we're easily emotionally set off um stress uh larry mentioned this um our environment so larry um distractibility is something a lot of students are dealing with and struggling with as well as a lot of employees right now um zoom School is not as engaging. And also, we're taking classes and doing work in our homes. And our homes are not optimized for learning and productivity. Schools and workplaces tend to be, but our homes are not. And we also have distraction of a lot of other people. So there's a lot of reasons why we're struggling with this. One more thing I want to mention is um, this new idea that I just actually read about um, a couple of weeks ago called Intimacy Overload, where... Um, Zoom, we're seeing people's faces very close up for a long period of time, and we're not really wired to to do that for a long period of time. It's intimacy overload. When when we're hanging out in person, when you and I are having dinner together, we uh, that's much better. This actually gives go. me a little, little bit relief. of relief. I'm not yeah. looking at your face. I get a little bit of a rest here. But like this is actually a case in point. When you and I are having dinner together in person. We take breaks from looking at each other's face. You know, we, we think we kind of come back. So there's a lot of reasons why um, we're, we're struggling with this. So what can you do? How can you bring a little bit more focus back into your life? So any aspect of routine can kind of help. Um, I've talked in, in previous episodes about having one thing to anchor your morning, one thing to anchor your afternoon, one thing to anchor your evening. It can, it can actually help with focus because it's less decisions you have to make. Um, we're, we're at the place where everyone should be making accommodations for each other to help them focus. So my work team is now at a point where most of us are never, our, our videos are never really turned on during our meetings anymore because we've realized that it actually helps us to be a bit more productive if we don't feel like we have that intimacy overload of having the camera on. Um, the, the big thing I want to tell people is making changes in your environment that helps you to focus. So whether that means, um, like Stephen King talks about, clearing his space so he doesn't see a lot of the distractions, um, putting your phone away and putting it in airplane mode when you need to get 30 minutes of work done, or um, creating browser blockers so you're not going to Twitter or Instagram or um 
uh, Facebook and getting the distraction when you need to get a few things done. Think about, um, don't think about internal self willpower and all of that kind of stuff. I'm a big fan of making it easy to stay focused by making your optimizing your environment a little bit to be able to focus more. That's a lot of the stuff we work on with folks who might struggle with ADHD is how do you, how can you make it easier to focus on the stuff you need to? Um, that's the away mission, Larry. Um, but I want to, I want to hear from you. Um, we need a K3 factor and we need it stat. Um, <laughs> we, need what, it we need it now. What do you but, got for us, Larry? Yeah, this whole, this whole factor of attention and, uh, the lack thereof, uh, as a backstage, uh, you know, concept. And again, K3 factor is our, our theme today applied, um, to the behind the scenes aspect of Star Trek, which is what we do all the time. That's my raison d'etre of, uh, ooh, in, uh, Trekland everything, guys and gals, uh, Portal 47 on down. And, uh, behind the scenes, I mean, like there's one or two times I might think somebody took the, people who, when people took their eye off the ball in some, in some aspect. Now, what did I send you? I sent you, um, <laughs> you said, I'll tell you exactly what you sent me. Um, the first, ep- the first is an enterprise moment. If that will, um, it's, it's from the very beginning of enterprise. If that helps jog your memory, should I just put oh, it on? Oh, yes, screen? yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is kind of funny because there's times when I mean, you might say, well, when Gene was having burnout, uh, and took his eye off the ball and wound up getting distracted with, uh, and then came back and saw what Gene Kuhn had been doing in his absence and rightly or wrongly didn't like some of the drift that had happened with the show at the time, uh, like too much humor. And we all can debate that, but that was an issue at the time. Somebody took their eye off the ball and came back, but. One case of this, and I don't think it, this is totally me being there, and this was my vibe and my sense. And someday I'm going to talk to Rick about it, Rick Berman. Um, at the, it was so weird. The state of the franchise had flipped so much to the time of 2001 with Voyager ending, mm-hmm. and and no longer having two epi- two series that we had. We, so we're now we're out of the multi channel universe or whatever that we didn't have words for back then but the idea that there was just one series on because the ratings had been cut in half and the idea was oh that was too many star treks we can't handle that many the attention of the audience is split up and people are leaving and when there was just voyager and voyager ended there was this sense that okay we were we're getting a little soft we're getting a little um you know, routine here. We got to shake ourselves up. We've really got to. We're going to go with this new premise. People, some people hated the prequel. To me, it was like, thank you for getting to a part of the the this universe that we haven't looked at yet. I thought it was bold. So when the idea of Enterprise was born and going back to Archer's time, there was so much emphasis put on it by the people who worked on the show and and to a lesser extent, well, UPN. That was the future of the franchise, and that was the way forward. And it was so the, the way forward is to go way back. Hey, it's all in the future, damn it! It's all in the future. It's all in our. It's all relative. Time's all relative. Yes, it is. It, it's all. It wasn't even timey wimey then. But the point is, the stakes <laughs> were so high. What is amazing to me is, at the same time, there was another movie coming along. Now, whether it was going to be the last next-gen movie at the time up front, it certainly became that by the end of time. End of time. But, you know, there, movies, historically, had always been, 
you know, the big splash, right? The big secret thing. I mean, the TV show's got to be routine. We do this 26 times a year, blah, blah, blah. We're doing it twice here. We've got all these TV people working on a TV show. And even though it's a Star Trek lower budget epic movie, it's still the movie, right? And all the series people wanted to work on, they wanted to graduate to movies the way the original series cast and the next generation cast. And after a while, knew that wasn't going to happen on DS9 and Voyager. But the point here is that in 2002, as they got into, as we're watching this clip of Enterprise here, everything flipped. There was so much focus on Enterprise as this is the long, you know, like the series is going to be, we're going to be living with this longer than just a mere movie. It was like everything was inverted. And suddenly the movie was not the shiny, big, huge thing. It was the new series because the new series was not just another series. It was the whole new way of the future, which, of course, was kind of prophetic. Um, But for that summer, I want to say that Rick and things around him didn't – he wasn't totally divorced from it. But maybe in the same way that he stepped back from DS9 to focus on Voyager, it was hard to keep a balance and one thing naturally won out. And so, yay or nay, they're focusing on Enterprise as the long-term way forward. And then you put the you've got the clip up there of Rick and, and uh, Stuart Baird, the director. I'm putting that clip up right this, now. You know, Rick put Rick stepped back. The studio wanted a fresh writer and a fresh director because they thought Insurrection fell off the ball. Maybe it was getting a little too inside ball because Michael had written it and and uh, Jonathan directed it. And I'm sorry if they'd left Michael alone. That's a whole saga in itself. But everybody wanted to play politics with the script and then wondered why it didn't do better. <laughs> Poor Mike. But in this case, it wasn't that way by the end. But I think in the beginning, and it wasn't Rick wanting, you know, they they were thinking about LeVar. Even I was reading last night, besides Jonathan saying, I'll direct it again. Uh, LeVar had come along in his directing chops. And Rick wanted to keep it in-house. But the studio was like, wanting an outsider and wanting to give Stuart Baird this editor that had saved two movies for them. Um, that that were disasters, and he came in and edited them. And they were like, "Let's let's reward him by being a director." Because the thought was, Star Trek is on autopilot. How do you mess up a Star Trek movie? Well, so so my thing here is here they are actually. Here's a rare shot of Stuart Baird and Rick Berman talking. I'm kidding, but I really think in a way that Rick. It's not so much that he didn't pay attention, but he backed off with focusing on the new series. And didn't push back at the studio, much less push back at what Stuart Baird was doing. And he still had the reins. He was still the executive producer or the producer on the movie. But I just think a lot of the, the, the you know, and Stuart Baird was, was woefully insecure about directing and became very prickly and argumentative and fought with, who am I fighting with today? Will it be a lowly crewman or will it be Patrick Stewart? I mean, you know, publicly, out loud, to a bad degree. And that's what's one of the things that, that um, that Nemesis suffers from, among other things, people like to critique it for. The vibe was just bad, top to bottom. Anybody there will say that. The great John Dwyer, who always came out of retirement to set decorate and work with Herman, finally left because Stuart Baird had to come in and tell him to change everything he set up. So anyway, I, my point here is when we sometimes we take our eye off something and it drifts, and then even when we realize we have to go back and fix it. Um, we're, we're in too late because we took our eye off the ball yeah. early and that's yeah. what happened in a big, very big picture way. That's what was going on here. I, that's, well, that's and, me talking. 
I mean, I, I don't know if you would agree with this, Larry, but uh, to some degree, the so I don't know dro- if, I, if if that was new to you. I, I this this is turning. I, into a I think it's an, to surprise. It's, yeah, me. it's it's it's. <laughs> I uh, I I will. I'm, I I'm here for the else. ride. It's all about. It's all about it's, shocking me with the. Kids. Please entertain me, Doctor Trick. <laughs> um, no, I, I I'm always um um looking for a new perspective, and I think that is a new. That's a new way to think about this that I hadn't really thought about before. I have thought about with Deep Space Nine, it was allowed to go into certain directions because it wasn't on UPN. Because, you know, the, they weren't focused on ending TNG and launching Voyager and, and getting generations going. Um, well, DS9, Voyager was a network show, which made yes. it now more important than DS9. Yeah, right. And so DS9 really got to get away with a lot of stuff that I wonder uh, if if it was the sole series, if it had the the weight that Enterprise had on it, would it have been allowed to do the things that it that it did? I don't I don't think it would have. So um getting a little bit of distraction and hyper focus in some ways it benefited DS9 and in some ways I think you're you're absolutely right it, it was to the detriment of of enterprise and and nemesis so it's um you know as uh who, who said it here um I think it was yeah uh, Charlotte said so many ways to mess up a Star Trek movie um that is absolutely <laughs> there's <laughs> That was, and to be clear, that was the, that's, I'm very broad brushing here, but that was the suits mentality, not Rick and everybody, you know, in house. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Larry, with, um, with maybe, um, just, uh, the couple of, um, couple of moments we have left, um, let's just open up those hailing frequencies. I was going to say, just to say, guys, I'm so behind in the chat, but there are so many good points people are throwing out. I'm like, I'm an hour behind, but, um, yeah, there. Um, one thing I want to mention is um, uh, there's. Uh, I want to make sure I get to this uh comment here. Yeah, so Linda says my ADHD keeps me from being um from being able to organize an environment that would help me with attention and focus. I think I need an ADHD life coach. Once I get started, I'm fine. But getting started is a main issue. So, Linda, this is a great point. I actually had this in my notes, but um, I, I skipped it um, just for the sake of time. But there's many pathways into problems with attention. Sometimes it's environmental. Sometimes it's biological, like ADHD. ADHD is a very biologically based problem. You didn't do anything to cause ADHD. It's just It's just there. And there's some beautiful gifts that come along with ADHD and there's some struggles with it. So sometimes it's environmental. Sometimes it's because of ADHD. Sometimes it's because of anxiety and stress. Sometimes it's because there's a global pandemic going on. There's so many things that can cause distractions. Sometimes it's that. Can you say global dog. pandemic again, just like that again. Global pandemic going on. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Happy to help. Um, sometimes it's like Scott mentioned, a barking dog outside. There's so many pathways to struggles with attention and uh, distraction and hyperfocus. So if it's if it's beyond what you can handle right now, um, please do seek out help and support. 
because um, sometimes the support of someone as a professional is is what is just the push you need to be able to make some changes that can put you down um, down a better path. So, yeah, if you feel like it's too much for you to handle, uh, reach out for some support, and um, that might be that might be a good way forward. Um, so, yeah, that was just one thing I wanted to mention, Larry. Whoosh! Yeah, there's so much here, and this is uh, I don't I hate to break our. Um... I don't know if we should talk about this here. Maybe we can talk about it later. But I saw uh, Cairo, who's part of our community for a long time yeah. and part of my other communities. He's known by Robert in the Portales. But uh, he, we were talking about – this is a little bit of a sidebar, but maybe we should talk about it while we have a chance. Um, talking about uh, this opening up another aspect of community on Discord and some of the pluses and minuses of that. So I don't know if that's – because uh, I'm all about, I mean, I think there's a big sense in the world that people, because uh, my business circle is into this also. And they've even, there's a there's a platform called Clubhouse for getting together. But, I mean, all of these new social media platforms coming along, they have their pluses and minuses. Yeah. Uh, you know, is there's are you trying to have meetings and meetups? Are you trying to just have conversations and threads of conversations? Like, you know. Uh, anyway, yeah. he had some, he had some um, doubts about, or not doubts, but had some issues with uh with discord and i didn't know if it was worth talking about here for a moment or um i think it's 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 hard larry um it's hard to create a service that is both free and good for privacy um and like clubhouse is another example that has really come under fire for their privacy policy and and how they require you to sort of uh upload your whole contact list and yeah there's um you know i i think the big picture problem here is how um there is no regulation of technology in the united states and um, there's no regulations around how data and private data is managed and that needs to that absolutely needs Mm -hmm. to change um the eu has done a um done more than the United States has, but within the United States, there's no regulations on tech. We regulate every other industry for safety reasons. We regulate uh, travel and aviation and um, er- like manufacturing for safety, but there's nothing there in tech. And so we're, we're working with all imperfect <coughs> solutions here. Um, yeah. All of them are, are really imperfect. I would just say too that all those, everything you rattle off, automobile travel, airline travel, you know, railroad travel, uh, manufacturing, to, all those things took 10 or 15 or 20 years yeah. for things to start blowing up. People went, oh, we have to, <laughs> you know. Maybe when, we should invent when, safety belts. Yeah, yeah. When, when yeah. radio and vacuum tubes was a cool hobby or people flew in planes and, oh, look at those stunt guys. But when they became a thing, it was like, oh, okay, this is now a thing. We have to deal with it. And, it feels like it's been forever, but social media has not really been around for even 15 years yet. It's just it feels like forever because we're yeah. pace of life so fast now. That's a great point. Um, and <laughs> I mean, if you're paying attention. Yeah. Um, so that's a really great point, Larry. Um, television has been well regulated in the United States uh, for a long time. And there's a lot of limitations around what you can do with TV. Um, however, the Internet um, Communications and Decency Act in the 90s 
gave internet companies uh, a bit of leeway that uh, you're not responsible for what users post on your platforms. <clears throat> and that law is in the process of being revisited right now because it's YouTube and Facebook work very differently than any internet technology worked in the right. in the 90s and um and the responsibility that they have is very different than AOL had back back then so um yeah i'm i'm I mean, hopeful I, I worked in news and we had to be resp- yeah. you know we we had it was a you know people could buy advertising much less what we editorially oversaw if it was free but like a letter to the editor say or somebody's comment we we're still in an obligation to fact check. And if something was outrageous, this whole thing about, you know, fake news on the social platforms, but on dead tree media days, we were still ultimately responsible. People bought an ad, but you know, if, if somebody really wanted to take a, go to task on somebody, or if you just wanted to let your reputation be ruined and you just blithely printed anything, even if you thought it was beyond the pale, then that was going to, you might somewhere the spectrum of, being involved in a lawsuit for, I don't know, libel or, or whatever else, or just having your reputation be sullied to the point where people, you had less respect. But you were still involved with that. So that, yeah, that whole idea that people are coming around to that the, that the big socials reject to me, it's like, no, you're, if we had to do that as print media, especially when we get in the realm of politics, but just all communication, if we had to re- answer to that ultimately, legally or ethically morally slash financially then they should do that too because it's exactly the same and the internet went from being looked at and there's aspects of it just being a carrier where you're looking at it like it's a power utility but then you get over to the communication side but again we've only been dealing with that part of it for you know 15 years so it's behind the curve and and it's all evolved and all needs to be you know looked at yeah. Yeah, it's a complicated it's a very very complicated problem. Um and you know one of the things that one of the things that concerns me Larry is we've we've <clears throat> become so accustomed to no longer paying for services, uh not paying for email and um we've we've slowly and slowly become used to giving away our privacy. Um, in exchange for free services. So, um, I'm not sure what the, what the best solution is there, but it, these are very complicated problems. Um, I think Cairo had a really great comment. He said, he said, uh, tech has too many and too few regulations at the same time. Uh, I think that's a, that's a really interesting way to kind of think about it, that these are, uh, these are tough issues to kind of work through. Um, one more thing I want to say, Larry, is there's questions mm-hmm. about, um, about, OCD and um, also about um, adult um, ADHD. So mm-hmm. um, a few. Uh, I'm just going to sh- share a very. A OCD few. is obsessive. Yeah, compulsive. so obsessive compulsive disorder. So this is <clears throat> when individuals struggle with certain thoughts. They have a, thoughts or images. They have a hard time getting on their out of their mind, and they also might feel compelled to do things over and over again until it feels right. So that is absolutely, of course, that's a problem. Attention is involved there. It's very hard not to think of an image or a thought, and you are very compulsively focused on doing something over and over again. OCD is also a biologically based problem where um, task completion doesn't really feel like it's happened. You don't really feel like you've completed the thing you're trying to do. You doubt it, and so that leads to a lot of problems there. 
So um, OCD can be effectively treated through something called exposure response prevention treatment. There's also some effective medications. Um, severe OCD needs a little bit of both, but mild to moderate, uh, one or another can be a great way to treat that. Um, the other thing about um, adult ADHD. So in the 90s, we used to say ADD versus ADHD. Um, now the term is just ADHD. And the reason for that is whenever you have attention deficit, you also have some hyperactivity um, and hyperfocus. Um, usually when it's diagnosed as adults, people only experience or they're more likely to just experience the attention problems and less of the hyperactivity. The reason for that is uh, as your brain fin finishes developing, um, the hyperactivity symptoms sort of go, tend to go down, but the attention symptoms tend to persist. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people out there, uh, Larry, who the school system just never caught it or they, they never understood it as ADHD. But now as adults in the workplace, they're beginning to notice these patterns. So if you at all are think like, hey, you know, like, am I experiencing this? There's a lot of great... Um, uh, right. actually reputable online um, quizzes you can see that like, is this a problem you might be having? And then you can go talk to a doctor who can kind of get it properly diagnosed. But there are, there's a, there's generations of people, Larry, who just never got this diagnosed because it you, never got you are, up on. You are preaching the choir here because I, as an instant, just add water dad, I went through all of yeah. this various stripes with kids and, and everybody, but Part of the part of the it's it's great now, and that was in the '90s, and so now it's it's great. Just it's it's gone from nothing known at all to suspe you know su suspected as a fake diagnosis to the butt of jokes, and now but now it's such a more maturely just another you know it's another symptom. We are all complex people, and we just know more about the brain, and we know about all this you know everybody talking about the spectrum, and just where are you on the spectrum, but. The the thing to me, because I had the case of uh, two stepsons, one that I didn't really raise and one that I did 10 years apart, and just the difference in how they were treated and the awareness mm -hmm. around it and, you know, wishing I could take a time machine because it's not even about the, the aspects of the it's, – it's what's the residual damage and the baggage that comes with how you're treated and looked at and, you know, in school, out of school, whatever, yeah. because yeah. then you've got the emotional damage that comes – where somebody, you know, with just awareness of yourself and others around you and the society, not hanging those, you know, the damaged um, reactions to you and what's wrong with you and why can't you just do this? Whereas people, you know, just something basic like accommodations or just knowing instead of doing this, just do that. And um, all the difference in the world that can make. So you're not only just yeah. dealing with the, the root, the root issue, you're dealing with all the. What's the good word for that? The baggage that came with it when nobody knew what they were doing. Yep. You yep. Know? And it's like it's and, like bloodletting with leeches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of great comments oh. going on in the in the discussion here. Um, just a couple of quick things I want to mention is when it comes to attention deficit hyperactivity problems. Um, uh, there was a, a comment from Libby said, who said, uh, I was told ADD instead of ADHD. There are types. So, um, everyone who has ADHD 
experiences some of these symptoms, but some people might experience a bit more of the attention problems. They might experience a bit more of the hyperactivity problems, or they might experience both equally. So that's probably what was going on there, Libby. Um, and as you were kind of mentioning, Larry, we know so much more about this. We also have so many better ways to treat it now. Um, there's some great treatments that are primarily therapy. There are some great, there's many different medications now um, that don't have all the side effects that the early generations ones had well, so there, yeah the so, different things work with different people and yes, the amount yes, and you know, yes, everything yes yeah there's there's yeah, a lot of um um personalization now that can happen with the way ADHD is treated both through therapy as well as medication um and then the one other thing uh, there's a comment that came up about um autism and so one of the actually defining features of autism is called perseverative interest. So it's it's when people who are on the spectrum are really focused on one thing, really interested in one thing. And if you ask them about one that one thing, they'll talk about it for hours, whether it's Legos or Star Trek or Dungeons and Dragons um, or trains. Um, people on the autism spectrum can really have this um, laser sharp focus on a topic. That's just a defining feature for how the autistic mind works. And what I'll say about that is the world needs all types of brains. There's a lot of beautiful gifts that come along with autism, much like ADHD, much like anxiety, much like all the things we talked about. There's a lot of gifts. There's some struggles that come along as well. And what we have to learn is how to overcome our own struggles so we can uh, we can yeah. be uh, too bold to go in our own lives. As we very, about. very Hollywoodized, but the movie Beautiful Mind kind of gets at that. Mm. And, and yeah. others, it's dramatized in several ways, but that's one that always comes to mind. Um, which boy, we, that could be a whole nother topic is, um, um, hallucinations the hall and yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. hallucinations. I thought you were going to say the uh, depictions in TV and movies of mental health issues that, well, that absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, For good and bad. Yeah. So Larry, we could keep going on and on, but we're also running late. We started late. We're, so I'm glad we went. We're about, yeah, we're late. about caught up two hours. So that's yeah. good. Um, so before I put on the, sad music uh we want to thank um scott and jared for helping us to moderate um and also keeping the podcast going and and doing everything that we do jared for launching the um the discord channel for us um scott for keeping the um the podcast um edited and 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 uploading so thank you scott thank you jared for that um Larry. We're not formally we're not formally launching the and the podcast. We're gonna wait till almost everything is up before we say there it is. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's very slowly, very slowly getting caught up to speed. Um Larry, where can people find more uh from Trekland this week? Hey, well, uh LarryNimacek.com is kind of the hub and at Larry Nimacek on Twitter. Um nothing really going on right now, but I should say that you and I are going to be we're going back to the place of our birth and be another virtual panel for WonderCon coming up. But I and I also am part of two other one that I moderated. Well, and another one that I moderated, and uh, it won't be until the end of that. Those won't be till the end of the month, but uh, during the WonderCon replacement days virtually. But one of them is the Voyager documentary, which uh, just blew through all of their stretch goals, and they went through another one apparently in the last twenty four hours. Uh, and another one talking about generations and fandom with some voices that I haven't really worked with yet. So I'm really excited. So we've got some virtual panels coming up and 
um, that's, you know, we're into the virtual spring and summer season now. So that's happening. And one more shout out. I sent you an image. Uh, I've been trying to help um, longtime next generation. Speaking of Dr. Crusher, her number one nurse who never said a word, uh, Michael Braveheart, with his uh, medical, very fairly modest medical $3,000 GoFundMe campaign. And we're helping. He's in New York and having some heart issues and and life stress with the pandemic and all of that. And uh, I just am trying to get the word out there. Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Ali Matu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nimichek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Psych Show. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone. Trek well, everyone.